When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. There'd be a lot of poop in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a six-foot alligator go swinging through the air and slam into a tree. These guys are the scientists of the supernatural, lecturers leaving lessons for inquiring laymen. They are applying the scientific method to a world that baffles science. They are the cryptids of the corn. But who else has big black wings and red eyes? Um, Batman. Oh, Mothman. Oh, yeah, Mothman. A great white shark was stolen. Oh, someone stole a shark? I got stuff for you you don't even know about. She's a witch. She turned me into a newt. Who knows? Anything could be possible. Anything could be possible. It's really big Mm -hmm. abduction vibes. Holy moly. It sounds like you were abducted. And it just stood up. I mean, it just, like, kept going and going. And she goes, what the... Hello, hello, and welcome back to Crimson of the Corn Podcast. I am the great and powerful mystery. And I am just Jay today. Ooh, just Jay. Yeah. So this is our first official interview on the page for season three. Ooh, and of 2023. And of 2023. And we're starting off with a banger. This guy is an active Bigfoot researcher, author, all kinds of cool stuff, clothing lines. We're going to talk about it all tonight. Jay, would you please introduce our, our guest? We are joined today by Bigfoot researcher Rick Rellis. Say hi, Rick. Hi, guys. Hi, Jay. How are you, Justin? Nice to be here. Glad to be on Cryptids of the Corn, but looking forward to this. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I know it took a while to get it all set up, but we are very excited for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am, too. I see you guys at all, all the shows and everything all yeah. the time when I'm there. Uh, you know, sometimes I speak at these shows, and then I'm there for I Know Squatch. That's a business I own. I'm part of and uh, sell merchandise and stuff. And you guys are always great to talk with, and uh, you guys get a lot of activity at the show, so do I. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nice for cross paths. We get a chance to share some notes now. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, speaking of which, why don't you give out all your shout-outs and all of the stuff, people, and we'll, I'll have links below, everybody, like I always do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I, I know Squatch, your books and stuff, and we're going to get into that stuff here in a bit. But, yeah, just whatever anybody <clears throat> can buy. Yeah, sure. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate the, you know, the PR for I Know Squatch, but you can see I Know Squatch on, um, you can find us. We have an Etsy store. Uh, we, we are on Twitter. We're on Facebook, uh, Instagram. So I Know Squatch. You just look that up to find us. Lots of followers. We're always posting new content. 
uh, and always trying to stay relevant. You know, anytime we out do expeditions or out shows, we post about that. Um, so, you know, look up I know Squatch, Etsy. We're always adding new merchandise. And, uh, you know, uh, our, our whole thing with I know Squatch is, you know, we, we do all original artwork. Any of the stuff that we, we have, well, I'm going to model real quick, but you can see this shirt here with the whoop on whoop. it. I love it. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, we own that. So, whoop, whoop in uh, the space, whoop is something Bigfoot say. Oh, yeah. When they communicate. And I've heard that many times. But uh, we own that. That's uh, part of I Know Squatch. We trademark all of our own stuff. And, you know, we do our own original artwork. We got, you know, we started this, me and my uh, partner, Hans. Um, we have an LLC out of Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, we just got tired of looking at the same old two-dimensional black silhouette of, you know, Bigfoot kind of mm -hmm. thing. So, And we did our own. We tried to really represent how Sasquatch is interacted with. So, you know, hunters will often report seeing one, you know, peeking around a tree, you know, where people will see one moving and, you know, like, you know, the famous film of Patty that you see that's out there with Kimlin, you know, it's moving. So we wanted to represent how it moves and how, what people say about it. And that's just the same old clip, you know, artwork that's out there. So that's what motivated us. And then really Hans and I were on an expedition up in UPM, Michigan years ago, and we had activity and came away saying, you know, we know it, there's a lot of, I believe what people say and you know in this space you see it all the time but we know it's real you know I'm, I'm I'm a BFRO investigator too yes and uh, I've been investigating actively for uh well, six seven years three different states well more than that but uh I help organize expeditions get out so I you know I talk to witnesses about what they report and I, I could talk a little about that today too and uh and then I got a um out in fourth edition we'll talk about that a little bit you can get it in the etsy store but uh i have a field guide that you could take it's it's made this size it's in the fourth edition like i said so you can stick it in your backpack take it out in the woods but uh you know if you're out in the woods and you see a you know stick structure or something like that you know it's in an area maybe there's activity i help you identify it and i have all the different types inside the book hmm. and i've got instead of just sketches i've got you know actual pictures of these things yeah. from taken from out in the woods. So I know you guys like the book. I appreciate that. I'm glad to talk a little bit about some of that today too, but um, I know Squatch and I'm a BFRO investigator. Oh, and one other thing I'm going to plug as long as I got you. You see the guitar in the wall behind me, but uh, uh, I'm a musician and uh, I gig all the time and I just grew up a drummer and I played uh, acoustic guitar, electric guitar, bass, all kinds of things for years. But I go a uh, I go by Just Rick. So if people look up Just Rick on, or Just Rick Live Music on Facebook and Instagram, you'll find me. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Prime Music, uh, iHeartRadio, uh, Apple Anywhere. And uh, one of the songs I put out in November of last year is Wood Booger Walk. Wood so Booger Walk. Mm -hmm. So you look that, you look that up. Because I've been recording and putting music out for years, uh, all original stuff and that. Uh, but if you look up Wood Booger Walk, you give that a check. It's a good swampy rock and blues tune, and it's uh, it's about Bigfoot. And I hope you all like that. So any <laughs> listeners out there, I actually subscribe. Dig, look up Wood Booger Walk. If I didn't give you guys some stickers for that, I'll send some for you. Awesome. I actually got, listened to I that at uh, CryptidCon when we were down there. Yep. Um, yeah. I was actually walking with one of the people that were with us and uh, looking for the schedule for the speakers. And I seen the little QR code, <laughs> and I thought it was the schedule, so I hurried up and clicked on it. 
brought it up on my phone. Then it brought up to Spotify. I'm like, what is going on here? And then I found Woodburger Walk and I listened to it. I liked it. Well, thank you. Yeah, oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah, it's a it's a rock and blues tune too. I mean, it it it, it goes. I wanted it to sound like you know Bigfoot going through the woods. <laughs> but uh, but um, it's it's got a lot. Of, it's it's bunch of folks took. I didn't know. It's not on TikTok. I got to keep track of it. It was up like fifteen or twenty thousand hits with people wow, on nice. TikTok with it, and they're playing with it and they're uh, doing videos with it. A Bigfoot walking through the back. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's great. And I'll have all the links for all that below everybody at home. So you can go. I'll have a whole little section that just says Rick's links, and you can go through and pick whatever one you you want. Oh, yeah. But you you brought up the the BFRO investigator and stuff. I think a lot of people that are kind of just interested in this field don't really understand what that means, you know, per se. You know, we, we hear the word. We're into this stuff, so, you know, we have a better idea. But for the people that are listening at home and stuff that are just interested, you know, they may not, they hear the word BFRO a lot, but maybe not know what that means to be an investigator. So I'd love if you could kind of explain that to us. Yeah, sure. Uh, It's a good question, Justin. Um, So the folks that have watched, um, you know, finding Bigfoot, you heard BFRO referenced a lot. Matt Moneymaker, who uh, was of the four people on finding Bigfoot, he really got that started. So uh, he put together a database and a place you could report, witness could report um, anywhere across U.S. I think it goes into Canada, too. I have to look. But uh, you can go to BFRO.net and report an encounter or an experience. And there's a form you can fill out. Um, so if someone, uh, just hypothetically, someone uh, sees one maybe in the woods near their farm or they're out on a hike and had an experience that, they think maybe Bigfoot, they can describe it and they can send it in to BFRO. And then we have, there's, I have to look, but I think it's about 250 investigators around the country. And these people are, so any state may have two or three of them, but uh, people like me will then contact them and volunteer to interview them, talk through uh, their encounter, their witness report. And we try to vet it out and make sure, you know, only the Mm -hmm. best ones and the legitimate ones get reported. And then sometimes, Frankly, people's imagination run, runs away with them sometimes, and you have to, you know, they have a recording of something, and I have to tell them, I oh, know that's a fox, you know, or it's a wolf, or oh, yeah. that sort of thing. But sometimes, you know, they're real, and you go on out, and people have evidence. Uh, I get out on properties, and I can see, you know, there's footprints that can be cast, or there's a tree that was pushed down. I had someone just the other day, and because uh, I live in Western North Carolina, but I had someone just the other day in North Central. North Carolina have pictures of the prints right through the snow sent me the trackway of this thing walking and the prints are almost six feet apart mm, in a wow. straight line and and the you know the darn things have been knocking on their the basement door in the house <laughs> you know uh, so you know but they had, they had multiple encounters she had evidence I mean a you know level-headed person sent me the evidence in the picture so that's what I, you know we like we would call that a class B encounter so the BFRO lists them A, B, and C, A being a visual sighting where I'm looking like I'm looking at you guys. But uh, that's what we do at BFRO. We do investigate. And if you go to BFRO.net, you can also see uh, what, there are expeditions around the country and you know, eight or 10 of them a year at different places. I'm helping organize one in the spring of this year. It'll be in Eastern Tennessee. And I'm working with uh, another BFRO investigator out of Chattanooga, Lori Wade. 
and she and I are interviewing people to go on that expedition now. So I help organize them. And, you know, we take people out in the woods for three nights, four days, and uh, go out on night hikes and uh, areas where these things have been active. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes we have encounters. <laughs> sometimes we don't, but sometimes we do. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And thank you for explaining that, because I just feel like it gets the word, like we said earlier, the, the word gets thrown around a lot, and I just don't think it ever gets really said. Uh, conferences and stuff, you know, BFRO gets used a lot. Like you said, the TV, Finding Bigfoot, get BFRO, but they don't really ever explain it. So it's just kind of this word in the background. Uh, so thank you for doing that, because that's amazing. I, I'm so excited. I, it just blows my mind that you guys get to go out and do this stuff. Yeah. But I don't want to. I'm good. I, I had my. I I think we talked about it before. Yeah, I had my encounter a long time ago. I know they're real. Yeah. I've seen one. I'm good. Mm-hmm. It's uh, like you know. It's I. I got my proof. Well, I don't need any more. I'm still on board. Well, I know I want to join one of these. I want to join a BFRO. Uh, BFRO. If I say it right. Um, yeah, BFRO. I want to join in on one of those night. You know, whatever. To four days, three nights, kind of. Journeys. Jay would let you slather him in barbecue sauce, <laughs> in ape pheromone, yeah. <laughs> hang him upside down from a tree. Mm-hmm. Yep, and you guys That's just all sit back and watch what happens. We'll see if the mountain lions don't That's get right. you. <laughs> <laughs> We've run into them before, actually. Um, yeah, so you know, again, for any of your folks who are listening, bfro.net. You can look in the county you live in. Yeah, the mm-hmm. state. Uh, Justin, you know, Jay, go take a look at the counties you live in and you'll see vetted out witness reports that have been investigated because that's the only ones that get published. Right. And then you can take a look, you know, you can read up on the activity. And It's funny, too. I mean, I love the database, which is why I got involved in it. I wanted to see, you know, where there's activity and why. And you learn things about these things. So, and one of the things I learned is where there's a lot of water and waterfalls in an area that, you know, they're there. You get a lot of reports. So, um, it's not a random thing. It's not like you're just randomly throwing darts on a map. I mean, you know, these things cluster mm-hmm. and they're in certain areas and you see that. That's so the beauty of the database that we have for this. So, but yeah, take a look online, Jay, if you're interested. And I know you got an active group in Ohio and up in that part of the world. Um, and, you know, take a look around and see, try to, I, you know, I'd encourage you to you know, go on out on one and see, because it is, it's not a bunch of thrill seekers. No, Mm-mm. we're not, you know, no, we're not, we're, it's, it's very organized. Uh, it's sort of like between science camp and, uh, and boy scouts or military somewhere in there. And, you know, we want to make sure people are safe mm-hmm. and get them to get them to a place. And we've already scouted out the trails and the areas. We'll use a base camp. A lot of times it's private. Sometimes it's in a, you know, national park, but then we're, we're out on trails and we're out in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night kind of thing. And sometimes these things come around. That's awesome. Speaking of which, are there any encounters or anything you can share from these? The, yeah, just that kind of stuff that you could tell us. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, so what got me into this? I mean, again, I'm not a thrill seeker. I just, you know, I was driving across northern Wisconsin with an associate back in uh, 2010. And right, you know, right before that, we saw one of these things. Wow. I didn't know what that guy was seeing at the time, but... Mm-hmm. I can, st- I can still see it. Um, it was big and eight foot and kind of a reddish, reddish brown hair and watched it go across two lanes of, it was a rural road, but you know, rural highway, if you will, nobody really on the road. It was kind of light rain and dusky, you know, right around dusk, November. And I saw this thing 
come across the two oncoming lanes, meet grass median, and then lanes in front of me, and then go over a five and a half foot fence like a hurdle. And I didn't know what that. I thought it was a moose, you know. But I kept seeing it in my head. I could still see it by people, like the two legs. It was fast. So, you know, the guy I was with, he kind of said, ah, that wasn't it. I didn't know what it was. I didn't even think Bigfoot. I was thinking elk or moose. I didn't mm-hmm. know what, you know. But, again, BFRO, I started looking, and I found other reports not far from there and similar descriptions. I was like, my God, a Bigfoot? You know, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> so, you know, I dove into it, did a lot of online research, and started found expedition started to go out on my own and started to look into this thing had a research area that i went into regularly in wisconsin i was in there every week uh, had activity there you know and fast forward now i've been on i don't know 36 40 maybe expeditions from british columbia to florida and you know i've seen these things i've had three class a sightings i could i could reference and you know i've talked about with other groups and on podcasts but you know, I've seen these things. I've smelled them, uh, recorded them. Uh, I've cast their footprints. I've had rocks thrown at me by these things. Trees pushed over, been zapped, you know, made feel uncomfortable around them. Um, I've seen their stick structures. I've got loads of pictures of that. Put a book together on it. You know, I've seen, and I, I've talked to loads of witnesses about these and investigated them. Some are fast, some are just, you wouldn't believe. I, mean, I had a fly fisherman in northern Wisconsin was going into an area to fly fish and saw about a four and a half foot black bipedal thing run across the trail in front of him, dive like an Olympic diver into a river, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, some of the things you, you wind up talking to people about are amazing, you know? And then when they're very detailed and very composed and, you know, they just don't know what they saw, but they're describing it. And you see similarities, which is fascinating. I haven't done this for 12 years. You know, I see behavioral similarities, descriptive similarities, and these things, even stick structures. I see the same ones, categorically, same types from, you know, British Columbia. I mentioned before, northwestern part of the U.S. down through Florida and the east. They build the same type of things. So when you see similarities and stories that you know corroborate over time, you know, it's it's all evidence. You know, uh, and it's still I don't have all the answers to it. I just I'm still fascinated with it from a research standpoint mm-hmm. and more, you know, and I've had things around these I can't explain it, it too, you know, and I've had people relate things that they've seen, heard, felt around these that are paranormal and they can't explain. So, you know, I don't know everything about what this is, but I'm still trying to research it and learn. Awesome. That, yeah. Could, could you tell us more about you? You said you felt zapped. You felt the zap once. I would love just to, if you could describe it because I, I don't know anybody that's ever felt it. You know, we've had people on, so I had mine, you know, I didn't feel, see nothing. Like I seen him, but I didn't feel that. But so many people feel that. And I always wonder what it is. If it's infrasound, if it's something else, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so first thing we have to do is just acknowledge that it happens, you know, because uh, there is a whole school of Bigfoot research that now, you know, any of that stuff's not happening. I'm here to tell you it does happen. Um, you know, not every time and et cetera, but you know, if the Bigfoots have an ability to make humans feel uncomfortable because we happen to you know, mosey into an area they are and they're going to use it, they're going to use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had, I've had hunters related to me and I, you know, and inevitably you get into the story to talk to them and well, they're hunting on some land that wasn't hunted on for 10 years or five years, you know, and they got back in there this deer season and, you know, 
set up a few of them right out and all so they heard something felt something and then they felt fight or flight you know and they had to get out of there they heard a tree being pushed over and knocks and uh, you know they ran out of there and never felt they felt you know uh, nauseated or they felt uh, you know something heavy on them you know i'm like yeah yeah okay so you know they got zapped they got that feeling and if the bigfoots can do that and repel you from an area that they're resident they're going to do it so to back to your question though you know what have i felt um it wasn't once i felt it a few times hmm. uh, when i've been out there once it felt uh and i was with a number of people we walked into like a wall um they were around it was pitch black but it felt like electricity once almost like uh, if you stuck a you know you took and stuck a screwdriver and a light socket you know <laughs> anybody's been stupid enough right? at any point has done something like that you know what it feels like you know there's a tingling all over and it was like that once um a couple other times i've had it feel uh like once in virginia once in wisconsin i can recall where it felt like a weight like a huge heavy weight being put on you know like you couldn't move uh you just felt like you had to get out of there it always is accompanied by the you know fight or flight thing hmm. like like i got you know i panic you know, i gotta get out of here and so it's effective that way when they do it and <sighs> I don't know if it's infrasound. You mentioned that. Um, it may be. Um, infrasound is used to dispel crowds, you know, crowd control. I think in military mm -hmm. crowd control uses it, that sort of thing. Uh, you can measure. You can see the low frequency, you know, on an audio graph. So you can, but maybe it's that. I don't know what it is. But whatever. They can do it. And if they want to do it, they'll do it. Conversely, there's times where they don't know, want to play, want to interact they'll toss small pebbles out at you or, you know they whistle and you whistle back and they whistle sometimes it's like that other times they don't want you around you know, they push trees over throw rocks everybody gets uncomfortable heebie-jeebies let's get out of here you know, mm -hmm. so <laughs> you just never know what you're gonna get you know when they're around. that's awesome and we we talked about infrasound a couple of different times with uh with other animals that can use it I don't know if you've ever right. seen the uh, the tiger experiment with infrasound, but literally they had, well, they found out some of the tigers in Asia use it to stun deer so they can get right up on them. But they yep. did it with this guy in a zoo. Remember I showed you that video? Mm -hmm. And he goes in, and this tiger is in heat, so it's all agitated, and it hits him. And he just starts crying, and he's like, it, he's on two different cages. It, you know, it can't get to it, but it's like, it hits that primitive side of your brain, like the fight or flight, you know, it's I got to get out of here. Yep. You know, this thing's going to eat me. Yep. I got to get out. Right. But you know, it's, I definitely, it's definitely an effective way if they don't, if they <laughs> want to get you moving to get you moving. It, yeah. Yeah. I've heard, you know, it's funny. I, so I've heard about that you know, the tiger experiment and all that. I, so I went to the Tampa zoo uh, about a year or so ago and I specifically wanted to hear the, you know, the tiger thing. I was hanging around there. I said, my wife. And we're there about an hour, hour and a half. All of a sudden, the tiger, and I wasn't at the tiger area at this time, but I, we heard this noise. And I mean, it reverberates throughout the zoo. And I'm like, that's the tiger. Let's go. So we got over that way, and the tiger was making these growling, low throttling noises. And I talked to one of the attendants at the zoo, and I said, you know, it's, how can it be that loud and that powerful? And they saw that's nothing. It's not even really acting up today. But when it does, <laughs> if all the animals, all the animals in the zoo are on like high alert. You know, when it does that, it really, this low throttling, it's like everything stops. <laughs> and 
you know, it was amazing to me. So, I, you know, I know what you're talking about. I wanted to, it was, it was reverberating in my chest. It was so, I, I, it's so powerful. I don't know how they do that, but if infrasound comes from that, I, it's gotta be effective. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. That we did, uh, the whole thing with elephants too. There was a suicide village, uh, from elephants actually causing suicide rates to go up from them using infrasound to communicate. And they just wow. too close to the ah. village and it caused depression and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so you've had a little bit different, but you, so you've had stuff thrown at you and stuff like that. We've had a couple guests on that have experienced that, but I always love hearing it because I personally always say if they want to hit you, they will hit you. <laughs> if they're not hitting you, they're probably playing with you or yeah, just right. wounding you or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, so, so you're spot on about that. Um, yeah, I could tell you encounter after encounter. I've had, uh, you know, small pebbles thrown out in front of me. Um, yeah, I was with a woman once we were doing some of this. She's talking to them, and I think there's some juveniles around. She'd say something to the woods, and out of the woods, all of a sudden, these small pebbles fall right in front of us. Went on for a while. Um, I've had acorns being thrown at me, and they're coming out sideways. I've had, you know, rocks thrown over the top of my park pickup truck, dark in the woods, you know, you can hear it going through, you can hear it going sideways through the trees, you know, that kind of thing. So they, it's a planned trajectory and they know what they're doing. They may use rocks to kill prey if they want to. I don't know, but they're pretty good at what they do. I've had big rocks come out of the woods, a huge log thrown out of the woods. Once being an investigator from Detroit, we're in the Smokies a couple of years ago. And uh, I mean, we, we had, people deployed a couple hundred yards apart. We're on walkies talk and we all had activities. So they were in three different spots. I was in the, the elbow, the middle spot. And I think they just got frustrated that, you know, we're all out there deployed and such and knew they were there. Sometimes they get mad because they know, you know, they're there. Kind of. mm-hmm. And all of a sudden this massive, just huge tree log thing comes flying out of the woods and, you know, right in the grass about 20 yards from us, we just bang. And and you know that'll get your attention. Yeah. Uh, you know, I looked at I looked at this other restaurant, Kevin. I'm like, what? The? You know. So I start. If that's so sad, and I talk to him, you know, all right, calm down. We don't mean any harm. We know you're there. We're not. You know, we're just out here in the woods because we're curious about you, and we don't mean. You know, we're not going to be here all night. We don't, we're just out here to experience you. That's all. Relax, because you know. Sometimes that gets your attention, and if they want you out of there, you go. And if it keeps up, if they are pushing trees over and stomping on the ground, they'll pound on it. You'll hear like thud, thud. And they'll stomp on the ground. You can hear that, or somebody they're jumping out of a tree. But if it gets agitated on their side, they're uncomfortable. You got to get out of there. Uh, you just got to leave. You know. But if they happen to be around and they want to interact, and you know, you do a knock, and they do a knock back, and it's the same. You know, one of the tests I always do is not just, I'm not knocking out there like, you know, going crazy and I'm more cowbell. I just, if I do a knock and they respond or they do one and I, I usually wait for them, but if they knock and I knock and they knock and I knock and I do a, uh, they do a soft one, I do a soft one, they do a loud one, I do a loud one kind of thing. Then I know I got dialogue, you got language, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that I don't mind. It's, you know, it's when, you know, they're knocking like crazy or they're shaking trees and so then you know they're not happy with you you gotta go <laughs> yeah if a suppose you know i think most people estimate it was six to eight hundred pounds for the big ones or bigger smaller i don't know uh, but if they 
if they're getting that agitated, it's time to go. I mean, even if it was a bear of that size getting agitated, it's going to hurt you. Yeah. Let alone a a very intelligent creature. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You say, like, you know, people talk to them and, you know, talk into the woods. You even talk into the woods. Do you think they kind of have an understanding of what your intentions are when you speak to them? So that's good. That's a good question, Jay. So I think they understand intent. Yeah. Firmly believe they understand intent. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not, we always say if you're out in the woods, you know, act like a hiker, uh, not like a hunter, you know, we're not carrying guns over our shoulder when we do this. We're not, you know, pulling one out and pointing every dirt, you know, that clearly they would understand. Um, so we don't do anything like that over. We're not trying to trick them. Uh, I, you know, I use tech if I'm out there, you know, uh, FLIR is good. I'll use some of that from time to time and scan. And I've gotten images sometimes. Um, they can see IR. So if you use uh, night vision with IR, there's no question they pick that up. Mm. Um, so a little bit of tech is okay. Parabolic microphone listening. You know, I, I like those, especially if there's not a lot of wind. You can listen and you can hear bipedal footsteps going through the woods sort of thing. I love those. Wow. And you can get one of, you get you can get a parabolic mic and headphone set for 40 bucks on Amazon, you know, and it's worth its weight in gold when you're out there. So, you know, I try to, if they're there, interact with them. And, and but you, you know, if you don't want to, you don't really, you don't, I can't say this enough, don't want to try to trick these things. Uh, you know, they're, you know, they're an apex predator. They're getting around the woods. Uh, and they're never one of them. They're always in groups. So people need to get that through their head too. Uh, there's never, they're not solo creatures or in family units or, and I'm speaking from experience, you know, you got to pay attention when you're out there. If you hear a whistle in one area and then there's a whistle in another, they're talking to each other. If you hear knocks and they resonate bang, and they're from three different spots, you know, you got three of them around. Kind of. They're all kind of, they're bouncing things off each other to let people know, uh, or to let each other know, not to let people know. They're not knocking for our benefit. So I think they understand intent. You can talk to them and if they don't, uh, I know some folks that think, say they think they, you know, understand the language. Jan, uh, Janice Carter, if you read the 50 years of Bigfoot in uh, Tennessee, they got all the Bigfoot language detailed in there. I've been on expeditions and talked with Janice Carter about this. She says they understand English language. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to tell you that. I'm not here to tell you that. I just, it's a data point to answer your question. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I think they understand intent. I think they understand, you know, your, your tone when you're talking in the woods too. And if you're calm and reasonable, I think, you know, they can be too, but there's good people and there's bad people, you know? So why isn't there, there could be good Sasquatch and bad Sasquatch. Mm-hmm. Awesome. You have any more questions about his stuff out there? Or <laughs> I've been itching to talk about the book. Yeah, I know. I want to get to the book too. Let's go to the book. Okay. Yeah. So you got this amazing guide. Uh, I got one. I'm going to get one the next. I'm going to get at least three of them next time I see you to give away on the show. We love giving away stuff on the show. So I got to. But I just think it's, you know, you watch so many YouTube videos of quote unquote researchers. And every stick that touches every other stick (laughs) is a Bigfoot thing. Like we did. We did a a fun video a long time ago in Hawking where we're like, Oh, we stopped at a parking lot. We're like, there's a Bigfoot structure. There's a Bigfoot, st-, you know, like, yeah. but you know, but this guide's amazing. So could you please just educate us? Sure. So, um, 
first of all, if you know, I'll, I'm glad to send you some of these. So just send me an email afterwards. Remind me, I'll get a few off in the mail to you. Um, and, you know, and you can get them, our listeners that want multiples and get them on at our Etsy store. We've got them. Uh, what I tried to do with this is say, you know, to split them up and talk about there's a whole section around questions. So this is not a guide that's telling you this is what they are and it's definitive everything. But I even got some glyphs in the back, which are things that they'll leave on the ground a lot of times. But there are similarities in these, and you got to be careful. Not everything out there is a stick structure that a Bigfoot put together. Some of it is, I'll give you, you know, natural explanations. Uh, snow load, you know, you know, you're in Ohio. Snow can weigh down trees, especially things like pine trees. Pine trees bend every which way, uh, get uprooted. Uh, so that's a, you know, good reason for why things are bent over awkwardly in the woods. Uh, tropisms. Uh, that, so I talk about that a little here. There's geotropisms, hydro. So trees, vegetation will grow towards the sun. Uh, they'll grow with, you know, gravity will pull it down. The geotropism means gravity's pulling them down. If they're on a, you know, on a, in a ravine or something, they're going to grow downward. Uh, they'll try to grow towards water. So you see that. So you got to kind of debunk and go through all that. Uh, the hunters will use trees and bend them over to mark paths. Uh, animals will mark things and paths that they frequent. Um, so a lot of reasons why things get bent over. What I'm talking about is when you see something in the woods that you know, can't really be explained. I'll give you a, here's a good picture that's in the book. It's one, actually Scott Carpenter, if you read his books, he gave me this one, which I like, but uh, there's really nothing else that could explain that, yep. you know, in the woods. That's one of my favorite okay. ones. Yeah, I love that one. And Scott, I said, Scott, I put it in my book for you. And he was actually talking about this the other day. I got one of mine underneath it, but, and uh, me standing under it for scale. But, you know, when you have something that you know really can't be done any other way, to me, that's value. Um, and then uh, there there are definite similarities. And one of the ones that I talk about in here is the asterisk. Well, you know, they'll do uh, X's in the woods, too. And people say, oh, the X, well, the X means you don't go that way. And we put our own, superimpose our own meaning on it. Uh, that I don't know that that's what that means. Uh, I think these things have meaning that correlates a lot with uh, Native American culture and symbols, if you will. Hmm. But I like I, I like the asterisk. Here's a, here's a buddy of mine up in Wisconsin. This is from an area in the Ice Age Trail, but I'll put this in there. But you can see that, you know, if you take a look at this one here, he's on the top. It's, it's a good one because he's standing behind it, and that's an asterisk. Mm -hmm. Now, that's an area I've been with him, but he had repeat ongoing activity. And he was even gifting and leaving things at the center of that. So I grab a prop here. I brought props for the show. See, Justin and Jay, just, see, just for you guys. But I use these when I talk a lot. But when you see symmetry with one of these things, when they're, you know, it's not all random. In other words, the parts that are in the asterisk or the X are typically similar in size. So they'll strip the bark and the sticks, you know, that are growing out of the, they'll strip that off the sides. So the members that are in the X, this is just all about together, a rubber band are typically the same size, which is amazing to me all the time. So they're they're spending time in the woods finding sticks that are, and these can be really elaborate and large at times, but they're finding things that are the same size. Hmm. So the mem members of the X or the members of the asterisk, if it's an asterisk, and you get multiples like this, typically they're the same size. Hmm. <laughs> you know, that take, so I think these things are built not singularly, but by groups, and they are engineered. 
and there's some symmetry a lot of times. So the sticks are the same. They're balanced from the focal point, particularly in a in a in an asterisk. So you know what's on one side and what's on the other are equivalent. So they they spend some time in doing it. There is some elaboration of what goes on on this, and that's the things that you should look for. You know, I'd say number one, rule out anything, debunk anything that could be natural. You know, that you know was it a microburst, a storm that went to? You'll see tons of things in an area when that happens. Mm-hmm. You know, downburst of wind. You know, if there's none of that around there and it stands out uniquely and all of a sudden you come upon this and it's in the woods, well, then you start to go to the next level. Look for things like I said, where all the members of the stick structure are the same size. Look for all the branch strip, all the bark stripped off, all the side branches stripped off. And then look for what holds it in place. I mean, they will use rocks or logs to hold some of these things in place. And they could be rather large. They'll put these things, they'll build X's and put it right where a tree bifurcates and build, goes up every side. And all of a sudden you'll see these things like an elevated X up in the air in the middle of a tree where a tree has a Y formation. And you look at it, you go, there's no way that stuff just randomly fell in there. You know, how did that get done? And so you have to take it to the next level and look for things like uh, have the members of the stick structure been physically tampered with, bark removed? Are, the, are they all the same size, the members of that? Is it in a place where sometimes like in the asterisk, which I really like that one, the middle member, the things that are in the very center of it, you'll see like one in the middle, it's floating. It'll be like floating in there from side to side. So the other ones hold it up. It's like playing pixie sticks or, you know, pickup sticks or something. Mm -hmm. And the one in the middle, the one in the middle is just randomly floating like it's balanced. You know, that happens a lot with these things too. So you got to look for, (laughs) you got to look for some engineering in it. And if you see that, you know, rule out humans, of course, but if you see that kind of thing and you look at it, well, you, you know, you might have a Bigfoot stick structure. Another thing that's fascinating is, you know, I would always say to people too, like I showed in the picture here, get some scale, you know, get somebody standing. If you see this standing, get some scale as to how big it is or how elaborate as much as you can. But some of these things really do stand out. And when you see one, you, you might see others. You know, in the book, as you look in here, I've got, I got pictures of some of them take a red headlamps at night and I got other ones that show. And, you know, you see here, like you can see what I was talking about. There'll be a, like a isosceles triangle in the middle or one balanced in the middle. You know, that's done with a, you know, a purpose, but they're building these things. Again, I think there's multiple Bigfoots working to do this. And then you always want to look, you know, hoops are another one that I like that you see out there. Here's a picture of a buddy of mine, uh, Mark Ogilvy. He's a, I go on a lot of expeditions with him. He's from uh, Columbus. He's Ohio guy. Oh, wow. But, yeah, but he, that's just him and I. We're on, you know, I got lots like this. But he's standing there to give, he's giving perspective. Now, that hoop that he's standing on was bent over. And you see the root side from his right as he's standing. That's where it comes out of the ground. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, the point is stuck in the ground. So they'll stick that, they bend it over, and they'll stick one right into the ground. You find it's, you know, pointed stuck in the ground a foot, six inches or a foot. Well, nature's pretty much not going to do that. <laughs> it would take you some know, so. very <laughs> special conditions to bend that tree and stick it a foot in the ground. So that's the kind of thing, I, you know, I, I'm always looking for when I'm out there. The book t- talks a lot about that. Look for things that make it out of the ordinary. What do they all mean? I don't know. But there's continuity in the designs. That's what to me is fascinating about that they you know you'll see a lot of the same things out there and you know i i don't know why that is or what it is some of them are 
you know, I think, so here's one, I, you know, I've got some images of this in the book too, but a lot of times they'll strip these things. They look like walking sticks. They'll take all the bark off and they'll lean half a dozen of these into the, you know, where a tree bifurcates if it goes up. Hmm. Now, what does that mean? I don't, I'm going to guess. I think it has something to do with there's six of us that live here or there's four of us in this area. But, well, you say, how oh, do you know that, Rick? You know, Bigfoot's can they count? Well, I'm here to tell you they can count. So, you know, I've experienced that enough with knocks and things out in the woods. I do think they can count. And I think they will communicate back and forth with each other in numbers. So um, they, why wouldn't they put a number of sticks together to represent how many of them are in an area? Mm-hmm. So, so a lot of it's speculative and questions, but I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be an authority. I'm just trying to ask. And I think, you know, Cliff Barrickman and I talk about this a lot. We always have good debates on it. But he said to me once, it's an underserved area of bigfooting. And um, I think it is. So I'm, you know, I'm trying to just, you know, maybe show people the similarities, ask questions about why it's done, you know, talk about it, and then acknowledge that these things are out there. Now you come upon, you know, you're out in the woods and you come upon a, you know, something like this, you know, a uh, or something like that on the bottom. There's a couple of them there on the bottom. Um, if you can rule out Boy Scouts and hunters making a blind to hunt. I'm pretty sure nature's not just doing that on its own. A lot of intelligent <laughs> yeah. design in that. Yeah. So, you know, more questions than answers, but again, I'm trying to catalog, put it together. And if, you know, it's fun. You know, people buy these a lot of times for me at the shows. And, oh, I took it with me. People come in and say, I wanted to get another one. I've taken that with me. I found some and it did match up. And, you know, I, but so if it educates people a little bit on it, that's mm-hmm. great. That's, it, it is awesome. Definitely. It's definitely worth it. I agree too. And send me an email. I'll send you a few. Perfect. Thank you. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Perfect. And um, I read a story about uh, someone seeing these structures on their property. They see that they call them like little A-frame structures and the X structures and the asterisk structures. All three of them were there. And uh, they brought in like this medium lady. And she's and she and they didn't tell her what uh, was going on on the property, and she didn't want to know until she was already there, and she was drawn to one of the actual structures that was there, and she said she thought it might have been like an area where they were, like kind of like a portal type of area where they were coming in and out of. I didn't know if anyone uh, had an experience like that on any of your expeditions. You know, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> right. So the whole. Yeah, who knows? So there may be a mystic or otherworldly paranormal quality to these things. I mm-hmm. don't know. I, I appreciate you relating the story, Jay. I don't know. Um, you know, I don't. I can't. You know, I get witness reports that they were. I was looking at right, right at one of these things, and then I was gone. Um, more than once, I run into that. Mm. Yeah, I can't figure. I don't understand. I can't figure that out. Mm-hmm. You know, do do they run through a portal? Or something? you know, I don't know. You have to get somebody who really understands portals to explain that, you know, and I don't know that. <laughs> I don't even know. Really... I don't think anybody yeah, does. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Nobody does. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know, but uh, it's fascinating that 
you know, you had somebody on property where these things were and they picked up some other vibes. Mm-hmm. That's possible. We've been, I've been on expeditions where we brought along medium type people. And, um, I have to tell you real, real quick, I was on one and, and I, a few times we've done this just to see, and they do pick up some communications and vibes. It's weird. I was with a group in Iowa back, uh, an expedition was just maybe 2014 or 15. And we're at a place and the first night of any expedition, we'll get together. And we usually, you know, as me, we stand in a group, talk about the expedition and we do introductions. And we had a, the guy who organized it, he had a, brought a medium in She's standing there kind of looking around and listening. All of a sudden she speaks up and she said, in the middle of the introductions of our group and she, uh, they know they, they're here. They know you're here. They're watching right now. They know you're here. They, uh, they, why, why are you, they want to know why you're going out in the forest. They want to know, of course, we all look at her like she's nuts, you know, and it'd been raining as I recall. And right after she says this, cause we were in, you know, a state park area and we were under a pavilion. Cause like I said, we, and right after she says this, uh, maybe 70 yards away, a tree gets pushed down. And I mean, a big tree. Mm. And we all see it because it's right on the edge of the woods. And we see this tree just come crashing down. So, you know, like bees on honey, we got to go see it. So, you know, mm-hmm. We come run out of the pavilion and put our, got our ponches on her. We're going to go see it. And we get over there. You know, we had to go around a, drive over and around a creek area and we get over there and we find 17 inch footprint Mm. so uh you know it happened we all saw it uh the medium picked up on something i don't know but it happened cause effect at the same time she said they know you're here etc now there are a lot of other things that went on in this expedition that one stuck in my head relative to the whole concept of a medium so jay i'm glad you brought that up because i haven't talked about that story in a while but it really happened and multiple people saw it so again anytime i'm you know experiencing this i always look you know did multiple people have the same experience was there evidence left and in this case sure multiple people saw the same thing and we saw cast a big footprint and we had a tree push over mm-hmm. awesome i there's so much to this that's just on the other side of stuff yeah i'm I'm I fault you know because I come from a like a biology background so I just that's where my brain goes most of the time but there's so much of this that I I 100 believe happens that's not in that realm of bio you know it's it's extra it's mm-hmm. more and it's 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 not explainable right. in a biology sense and that's why I don't <laughs> need to go find one yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want. I want to ask though, if you would ever so happen back to kind of some structure stuff, if you'd ever seen anything you with incorporated with like big rocks or anything like that. Uh, yeah. Um, so I think the glyphs they will do that. So uh, they will. They have a tendency of when I say glyphs, what I mean by that is you know, it's a ground arrangement, sticks and or rocks. Mm, okay. Um, and so I started to include some of them in my. Uh, in the book that I have, I'll just show a picture one real quick. This is the next type because they always, they fall into some categories too. And there, there's one on the ground you can see, you know, and I've got, I've got some others here, but these are where they're laying these things out. There's a triangle. They're laying these things on the ground. I think it's something to do a communication and I don't know why, but there's a triangle type, there's an X type, but you look at it and you say, well, it just fall out of a tree that way. 
And again, the same sort of thing. They're going to peel bark off the sides and they twist and bend, you know, the pieces of the, that are in the arrangement. Uh, there's one that they do to answer your question. It's kind of like an F shape. Yeah. And they'll put rocks up in the mouth of the F. Hmm. I've seen that over and over. I've seen that over and over. Hmm. I got a guy in uh, t- Tennessee's got these things on his property, habituation situation, and I'm there all the time. And um, he's got he's gotten that many many times where they leave like this F shape in the ground and they put rocks right in the mouth of the F. So uh, they will use rocks in the arrangement. Is the answer? It's a long answer, but uh, yes, they will. Awesome, because I think uh, when we started this a, a while ago, Hocking Hills had one that had a. Do you remember it was like a 200, 300 pound rock in a tree in like the crook of a tree? Unbelievable. And I remember we had pictures of it for a long time because mm-hmm. it was just in Hocking Hills does have, you know, the cliffs and stuff like that. But this was not near yep. any cliffs or anything like that. It was just it was like if there was eight of us and we were really drunk <laughs> and we really wanted to put that rock up there. I guess we could. <laughs> but that's a lot of work. Yeah. To get that big of a rock up into that nook of a tree. It's like eight, nine foot up. So it's, you know, it's not impossible humans did it. But it's not likely. But it would take a lot of work. Like, Bigfoot is the easier answer than imagining <laughs> right. all these guys running around right. Hocking Hill State Park trying to put a two, 300 pound rock nine foot into the air. Right. Well, well right. You know, and that's the right way to look at it. You want to say to yourself, uh, you know, what other explanation is there, you know, and you start, start going through the checklist and ruling things out, but you know, they'll do those kinds of things, which are crazy. Um, and they can do it. Why, you know, why would they do it? Well, they can't, you know, if you're eight foot tall and six, 800 pounds, you could do it. Maybe you do. And, you know, um, I, you know, I, one of the ones I, when I saw in Virginia, out in the mountains of Virginia, blue, you know, right up to Appalachia, I was on an expedition years ago. And uh, five of us, three of us saw the darn thing coming down a ravine. I told the story before, but we went back and scaled the next day, put the tallest guy we had up in that ravine and tried to get to it. came away thinking this thing was 900 pounds. And if it wasn't 900 or 1,000 pounds, I don't know what. I, I mean, I woke up the next day, and all I could see in my mind was this black creature that was so big and so fast that just the scale of it and the, the, how fast it could be for that big just shocked me. So put a big rock up in a tree. Sure. Oh yeah, super. I mean, that wouldn't be much of a workout for one of them. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of have a random question for you. I don't know why it just popped in my head. But what do you kind of think are their top outs for size estimates? And I know we're we're all speculating. You know, nobody really knows how big they can get. I know the one I seen was probably about seven and a half foot tall, uh, mm-hmm. and I do not believe he was full grown whatsoever. But right. Yes, I just what me and Jay argue about this a lot. We do. Well, don't yeah. argue it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we fun don't arguing. Argue. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, a good question. I appreciate that. Uh, so let me give you a little bit of perspective on it. So um, the further you get from the equator, the larger animals are. Okay, yep. that's a, some, something we know. Uh, the reports up in Alaska, northern Canada, these things being well beyond ten foot tall. You know, ten, eleven, twelve foot. You hear that all the time up there. Some of the tree structures up there, I still want to see one of these. Where they'll take a tree upside down, stuff it in the ground, you know, so the root falls up in the air. I've seen that on a smaller scale, but some of the ones that pictures I've seen from up there are shocking. The point is, they got to be awful, awful big to do something like that. Mm-hmm. I, um, 
I've been <laughs> I was on an expedition in northern Wisconsin years ago, and the group saw a four-foot-tall one run through the group. Uh, I think I'm finding Bigfoot. They went back, recreated it, and they talked about it. So it was only it was a juvenile, it was black, four-foot, ran right through a group. Uh, we were out. I was I had led one group one night. The other group that was being led, they had called us and they saw this thing. And I was on an expedition a few years ago, also in uh, about two years ago, in uh, north central Tennessee, and we had uh, people deployed all, all over a mountain, uh, a half mile, mile apart, walkie though. We were on walkies and things. And the one group, which uh, was led by a ex-military guy, uh, they saw three of them, and the tallest one they said was about 14 foot. Wow. Dang. Now. When I asked them, how do you know that, they said it was taller than the top of a basketball hoop. Oh, okay. They had, they saw it. Yeah. Two of the others they saw, one was peeking out of the woods as they came in, and another one as they were running out of this area because they were scared, called Mayday, and we all had to go get them. But they were, uh, the other two they saw, they said one was about 10 foot, and the other was 11 or 12. So the smallest one they claimed was seen was 10 foot. Mm. Now, multiple people, same time, saw them, level-headed. As I said, one guy's military, Middle East. He's been through a lot. 14-foot, you know, right away, there's a whole school of Bigfoot people out there going to say, ah, that's impossible, no way, and physically, blah, blah, blah. I've seen castings of footprints, 21, 22 inches. You know, um, Tom Shea in uh, Kentucky casts them all the time. He's got all kinds of casts. He's got one that, I think he calls it Goliath. Goliath set, yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, you've seen that, 22, 23, mm-hmm. whatever that is. I was up near Whitehall in New York a couple of years ago. There's a guy up there who does a lot of research. And you know about that. You've heard about Whitehall mm-hmm. and Hay Bear Road and all that. Well, this guy up there on West Mountain, and I grew up in that part of the world, so I know. He showed me casts that were 22, 23 inches long. Mm. You know, if you do the calculations, those things are huge. You know, whatever's putting that footprint in the ground has got to be over 10 foot. Mm-hmm. We, did a, we did an episode explaining the incremental weight gain per inch how it gets once you get over 10 foot and that we were i think we based it off of grizzly bears you know just that's our our closest analog to roughly you know how they operate but like three inches can gain 100 pounds when you're over 10 foot tall it just gets so so much heavier so quick it's 14 foot that is a true (laughs) big monster yeah (laughs) like yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. Who am I to say they didn't see that? You know? Right. I do know. I do know that you know we heard them. We heard the screams that night from these things in the woods. Uh, probably fifteen people heard it. Uh, when I got in there, you know, you could hear them um, paralleling us on the way out. These guys looked like they they were scared to death. They were running out of the woods. They dropped to their knees on the way out. They were so scared. Hmm. You know, so there were a lot of other things that corroborated with that that night. Uh, maybe they did see them that. Oh. Who might you know? I I saw I was at an area. I was doing some research, and you know, I used to bring apples in and put them up in spots and trees and everything. I was coming out of doing some research. Looked back down the trail. I was coming out and happened to see this thing, you know, at back uh, 75, 80 yards, and it kind of came down the woods and went up uh, toward the area I left stuff. But again, like the other guys that reported, it was like four foot tall and it was dark black. And as it ran by, I just saw this black, small things, bipedal, just scurrying along on two legs, not on four. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't prepared to look, but I didn't know what I was seeing. And it kind of phased out. So now you see them, now you don't. So 
you know, how big can they be? How small can they be? I, you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. you know I, I, I don't know. Weird stuff happens around this, but if you get off your couch and you get out in the woods and you try to stay open-minded, yeah, maybe, maybe experience some of this stuff, you know? That's, that's definitely one question that's not brought up enough is how small they can be. I, yeah, I think they can be pretty small. Where, who were we talking to in Cincinnati? Mark and, was it Mark and Jen? Mark, yeah, 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 it was, saying that they saw like a four foot a Three foot. Three foot, yeah. They thought, really? they, they thought they saw a puck wedgie, which is, you know, a, kind of a, oh. a a different thing here in Ohio, but there was that chance it was, you know, a, a really small Bigfoot. It was getting into their yeah. garden and stuff like that. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. But to say well, that... that brings up a, a, good, a good point. They're opportunistic eaters, and why wouldn't they... You know, if they can get in a garden, you know, I had a witness report a couple of years ago. They were in an herb garden routinely. You know, the woman that was growing it, she'd look out there and see the darn thing standing in their garden. In the morning. So, you mm. know, why wouldn't they? And why wouldn't they send the kids, to your point, the little ones down? Get in the garden and get something to eat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to get caught. I'm I'm 10 foot tall. I can't walk through that yard and not get seen. You know, you're three foot tall. Right. Uh, but for everybody at home. Uh, there's a like you were saying. There's a big part of the Bigfoot community that's you know when they get over ten or whatever feet, they're like they they can't physically be that big. Short faced bears. I know they walked. They were quadrupeds. They walked on four legs. But when they stood up, you know sometimes they hit nineteen feet tall and they could walk. So mammals get that big. Gigantopithecus right. would have been sixteen, seventeen foot tall if it was standing on its hind legs. You know mammals, right. and I do believe personally that these are relics from the last ice age. Mammals got really big. You know, these guys are right. just survivors. They're big. But that's just my little PSA. The animals, mammals specifically, do get that big and do walk on two, you know, two mm -hmm. legs. It happened. We know it. So, But there is a big part of the Bigfoot community that's just like, no, it can't be. Well, you got to be careful. It brings up a good point, both you guys, Justin, Jay. I mean, stay open-minded, you know. Yeah. Um, and to your point, there's evidence of mammals that can get that big, leftovers, who knows. There's skeletons that have been, you know, pulled out of the ground, found, exhumed, all this sort of thing in uh, Greece and Eastern Europe that are well over 30 foot tall. You know, so if you read any, read any of the books of giants in America, they're fascinating, read all that stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. back when we were in an agrar agrarian society and they were going through the mounds, a lot of them have plowed over for make fields agricultural, but they found giants and skeletons of giants, of, you know, well over 10 foot. So who knows? I mean, you know, who knows what they are? You know, you said, you know, just you said you've seen it. I know it's real. I know they're real. I don't know everything about them, uh, but I know they're out there. And I I lean towards, you know, we talk about size, we talk about population. I just had this debate with another guy in South Carolina investigator yesterday. I He thinks there's not as many. And I'm like, no, I think there's lots of them. <laughs> so I, I was on the phone an hour with somebody about this. Show. So I think there's lots of these. How many do you have yeah. a, a rough idea? How many you think are? Like the continental U.S., as in you know, Canada, U.S. So I've heard from intelligent people have done a lot of this, um, and I talked to moneymaker about it. You know, uh, thousands they think. I know uh, an accredited anthropologist who thinks there's uh, you know a couple million of them in North America. Uh, I know folks that will say hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands. Um, how many Native Americans were there running around North America? Native Americans traded with these things. They all got a name for them. Mm -hmm. Every Native American, every Native American uh, group or tribe has got a name for this thing. You know, they interact with them with them regularly. Why can't there be lots of them? I, you know, there's I, an awful lot of 
forest out there that we don't know anything about. I definitely think there's more than people think, but I know you can't look it over at me because you want me to tell that story. The calorician, yeah. Yeah. Just give them the quick version. I'll give you the quick. So sure. I was I was a fishery biologist, but our company I worked for had all kinds of stuff. We did surveys. We did pretty much anything you could do for environmental science, we did. Uh, we were talking about Bigfoot in the shop, and this guy's called, his job title is basically it's a calorician, but not like the one you go to the health doctor for. This is the guy that goes into an environment and decides how many available calories are in that habitat and what animals should be there based on the available calories. So we were take we were talking about Bigfoot in the shop. He came in. He's like, ah, that's you know, but but Bigfoot's a whole bunch of bull crap. Then he went back into the lab. Didn't talk to this guy. I never see this guy like when I worked, you know, because uh, I never see this guy because I worked in the field and he was a lab guy. So we just you know we didn't see each other. Just we weren't doing the same jobs. Like three weeks pass, he comes by and he gives me a stack of papers. And I still have them. I just haven't unpacked them yet. Mm-hmm. But he's like, here's how many could exist in the continental U.S. if they're each adults roughly two to three times the size of a black bear with a similar diet. Uh, and on the low end, he had it rough, uh, estimated at 10,000. On the high end, he had it estimated at 45,000. And then I personally, I put my finger right between the fifteen to 20,000 mark. Uh, I think these guys have... Personally, my opinions, they have really big home ranges. So yep. one family could be occupying a a very good chunk of land. Uh but yeah, so yeah, he's a guy that didn't believe in he apparently didn't believe in <laughs> Bigfoot, but did all this a lot of work. He put a lot of effort into this this uh yep. study. Like if you were to try to get him to do that from that company, it'd be like probably fifty or sixty grand. Really? Yeah. 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 Uh, but he, I have it. I'd love to read it or any any part of it. I, yeah, I'd like to look at any of that. And, you know, good for him for saying it's plausible and there could be lots of. Again, you're saying tens of thousands. You know, who would have thought? It could be. Here's where I wind up with it. You know, we're a bunch of amateur researchers. Um, and even not even a bunch. There's a handful of us. You know, we go around out in the woods and have these expeditions and routinely have encounters with you know, not because we have imaginations run wild or groupthink guiding, but because we actually cast footprints, you know, have interactions, record them howling, making whoop noises, knocking, get paralleled by them in the woods, uh, see their footprints, uh, interact with them by leaving things, and then they take and move them. They come into campgrounds. I mean, well, who the heck are we? And we have routine interaction with them. What do we think? It's all the same small group of them? I mean, you know, it happens is what I'm saying. So, you know, how would I explain that except by numbers, that there's lots of them in lots of different places? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I fully believe that there are more than people can think. And I I don't know, you have found, but I think they, people kind of get this idea with Sasquatch that they exist out west and they exist in the pine bearings and they right. exist. Mm-hmm. I, I fully believe they exist right up right up next to towns, right up next to city. You know, they're, they live just where the asphalt ends and sometimes yeah. they they cross yeah well that's well said i, I i'm gonna use that phrase that's go right ahead where the asphalt that's great i've had reports of them close to towns and then you look and you find there's a greenway up to that part of town that goes miles out into the woods and why wouldn't they again i think they're omnivores if you want to mm. talk biology i think they're opportunistic eaters and adapt and whatever they can access they're gonna they dumpster dive they get into crops, they get into outbuildings, 
you know, we get reports on this stuff. All mm-hmm. the time. So, you know what, you know, why wouldn't they? Now they got a good ability to stay stealth. Um, they can make any kind of noise, mimic anything and distract you or make you feel uncomfortable. We covered that. So, you know, and uh, why not? Why wouldn't there be people run into these things? Hunters, campers, us as researchers, uh, you know, military bases, law enforcement, they see them crossing roads. I mean, it goes on all the time. So who knows? And do we think it's the same ones? No, you're just scraping the edge of the population. And why mm-hmm. would there be a bunch of them? I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought up diet. Cause that's something we kind of talk about too. People, I hear that so many times from people that kind of get this, they don't really into Bigfoot or into the field of research and say, oh, there's just not enough food for them. People don't understand right. what bears eat. So black bears are in Michigan. I actually know the guy that did the study. Their diet consists 60% plant-based, 40% protein-based. But the 30% of that, so 30% of the 100% of the, of the protein side of it comes from almost exclusively frogs. So these black bears will walk down creeks. 30% of their diet is almost exclusively amphibians. And yeah. they'll just eat frogs all day because it's wow. easier to catch That's 50 crazy. frogs than to catch a deer. Yeah. Not saying they yeah. can't kill that deer or they can't kill, you know, it's just the calorie benefits. If I can, right. you know, I'm not going to go like Bigfoot. I fully believe they kill an elk. But there's a lot of cost benefit, you know, weighing you got to do. It's a lot easier to go catch frogs. It's, uh, you know, it, that food is highly available and highly uh, repellent or repellent. Oh, gosh replenishes itself <laughs> yes yeah. i get a little stutter every once in a while you can't tell yeah uh but yeah it's i'm glad you said that because i think people really get that false idea that these things are just mowing on deer every day right right and uh you get reports too and i've I read a few of these of them being in a stream or a riverbed and then you know opening mollusks and eating them and that sort of thing so whatever's plentiful they're going to adapt, right? I mean, mm-hmm. They're going to eat, they're going to eat that thing, whatever they need to get through the climate and everything. If they need protein, they're going to get that. They're going to eat corn and cornfields. I'll, I'll say this. Um, we could talk about this. Too. I do think they will establish a cache of what they need out in the woods. You know, why wouldn't they work as a group? Mm. Um, why wouldn't they have a store things that they gather up and then gather together at the end of the day and eat or, you know, why wouldn't they? You know, they work as a team, work as a unit. And I think if they can gather up stuff to eat, they come upon a bunch of stuff in an outbuilding on a farm or something that they that's edible, they're going to take it all and get a bunch of them together and take it away and get to a spot where they can all gather and eat. Why wouldn't they? So, um, yeah, you know, if you have a unit of them, and I agree with you also, it could be across vast uh, lands. It could be across a lot of acreage. You know, why, why wouldn't they all work as a group? Sure. I fully believe they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, uh, one final thing before, because I know I've sure. already kept you over an hour. Uh, uh, that's fine. This has been it. so good uh, already. But I would just kind of want to get your opinion on gifting, because I know mm-hmm. I have opinions on it, and I think it's a very dangerous. Personally, I think it's a very dangerous thing to do because of a, a story we know that happened very close to us, mm-hmm. where a lady thought an old farmer in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, this older couple, they were very, very wealthy, lived out in the suburbs. They had all these big barns, all vast, like two, 300 acres, but they had all these big barns. On the very last barn, they thought teenagers 
had start t- taken up like a home there. Like they ran away from home and stuff like that. Cause she could kind of see them moving in the barn and stuff like that. So she's like, okay, these poor. So they started buying pizza every day and leaving pizza at that barn for what she thought were teenagers. And then they went on vacation. They did this for months. Then they went on vacation and everything was destroyed. I mean, just plants ripped out of the garden, windows broken in the house, but there's all these big footprints. The police said the police didn't really want to deal with it. The insurance took care of it. She ended up getting, I wouldn't, I cannot remember what investigator it was. I cannot remember for the life of me who she got, but it's like, yeah, they got really, you know, most likely they were used to you feeding them two or three pizzas every night. Yeah. And when that stopped, they got very agitated. Yep. So that's my investigator there. Yeah. Uh, maybe B was it B Mills? I Did don't know. I'll ask B because we, we, yeah, she would know. Yeah. We're doing, uh, we're speaking at one of her events in the fall. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I know she does some knocking hills. It may be she's, she's a great, yeah. She's a great investigator. I've been out at some stuff with her. It could be or Mark, you know, maybe yeah. one of those guys. Um, all right. So yeah, great story. Thank you for sharing that. I, um, so here's my t- two cents on that on the question. Uh, I would never create a dependency, especially if mm-hmm. it's on your property. So if you have them around your property, if you have a big piece of property and they're around or you suspect they're around, and I've heard stories of leaving cake, pancakes, pizzas in the one, but you know, leaving all this stuff out. And if you create a dependency and they depend on it, they don't, you know, they're going to, they're great observers. They're going to watch, they're going to take advantage of it. So what does that mean? I, I don't think it ever ends up good. And the case you're talking about where they destroyed us bunch of stuff, all of a sudden there was no nourishment there. And I, like a bunch of little kids, little brats, I got pissed off, started breaking things and tearing things up. That's what they're going to do. So don't ever create a dependency. Um, if you have a spot, I used to have an area I would gift and leave apples and things, but it was, you know, miles away from me out in the woods. And I went to a spot and about once a week I'd go in and they'd take the stuff. I could tell you stories about that too. But they would take, uh, you know, they take the apples. Sometimes they'd leave some things back for me. You know, you'd see an X or sticks that were left in its place. And um, so they would, you know, they will, you can get a little bit of that going on with them, but I would never do it at home and not create an ongoing, you know, leave a pizza every day or, or for, that's not, and, you know, how are they going to react eating you know, <laughs> refined sugars junk. and starches and oh, junk? Right. And so, you don't know that either. So I don't like any of that. Um, I, I have a guy who's got him on his property and he's got a shooting range in the woods down on his property for years. He interacts once in a while. He leaves some apples or pears, but he's got toys and things there and he'll move them and they move them and he moves them and they move them, you know, and there, it's like an ongoing everyday thing. And you see similarities in what they're doing. We got mountains of data. I don't know what to do with it, but I've learned a ton from these things. You know, they will, what they see as order, what they move isn't necessarily what we see as order, you know, so, but they will do the same thing, you know, three and one, they'll leave things, move things, take only certain things. Like they don't know what to do with citrus, but they'll take the apples, you know? So it's fascinating, but you know, you just gotta be careful. Like we don't know what these things are, what they do. And if you create an ongoing dependency and remove it and they get mad, that isn't good. Uh, if you make them mad and you don't know what you're doing to make them mad, that's not good. You know, I always say, be careful, you know, going out in the woods and screaming and howling. What the heck are you saying to these mm-hmm. things? Right. So, you know, so you just got to be careful around it. I always be an observer. Don't be an intruder. You know, uh, 
and, and be careful. I, so to answer your question on the, the whole gifting thing, not the biggest fan, a little bit of interaction here and there, you know, like I said, if you had a stick, if you have an area going to the woods or stick structure, you want to leave something compact disc or something blue that they don't see. And then you come back and it's gone and they leave something. All right, fine. If it's not a regular thing, it's just a, all right, that's fine. Keep it at arm's length. Be careful, but don't do it on your property. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, we, we go up to Michigan a lot. I have a cabin up there and on the, some of the Michigan Bigfoot pages, you see people always are like, I leave apples out every day for our Bigfoot. And like, I feel like it's probably a bear, but you know, right. when you stop leaving the, the apples out, you can have, but yeah, the, the, the other, I guess what you were saying, like the trading or that kind of stuff is a little, I guess in my mind, different. I probably use the wrong term. It's my, on me, but what I think, like, yeah, don't gift as it like, Give all that freaking right. food to them, but right. yeah, I don't know. It's I think it's like you're saying we don't know anything about them. I mean, the amount right. we do know is very small compared to what there is. You don't know what you're doing to these things. Now you got to be careful. I mean, it's all evidence. Uh, I look mm-hmm. at it that way. It's all it's all evidence, but don't generalize, make assumptions, and try to predict behavior. You got to be careful with these. That's awesome. Well, Rick, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. We've greatly appreciated it. I would like you to take this time again and do all your shout-outs again, and I will have all the links in the description below for everybody at home. Please support Rick in any way you can. Uh, and are you speaking at any conferences this year yet Do you know of, or what ones you're going to be vending? Yeah, uh, so we'll be uh, – I know Squatch. Again, we're on uh, any place you look through your social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, et cetera. Have an Etsy store for our uh, merchandise. A lot of hats, T-shirts, stickers. We have state stickers too, but uh, we do all original artwork. Check us out. We'll be at a number of different shows this year. Uh, we're doing one in uh, Hamlet, North Carolina, CounterQuest. That's, I think, the first one beginning of April. We'll be at that. Uh, we're going to do uh, Ocala. We'll be down in Florida for that one. Uh, some others we've done other years, Gatlinburg, et cetera. I'm speaking at uh, one in Marion, North Carolina. That's huge. And I'll be speaking at uh, ECRO up in Virginia, also in June. So I'm, I'm speaking at a couple of them this year. Uh, also, I try to you know do that on different things, like how to run an expedition or uh, uh, six structures and things. I'll talk about that. Um, I try to, like we did today, answer questions, talk about this theoretical, as opposed to just you know, tell a half-hour story kind of thing. So. Mm-hmm. If you want that go you know go to Sasquatch Chronicles. I don't mean to plug anybody else, but you know stories stories are good and I think all that's good, but I like what you guys are doing here, which is you're covering a lot of different aspects of this subject. And that's that's really good. That's your biology background. Don't like that. <laughs> but I mean it, it's good. It, you know, we we got co- we covered an awful lot of stuff today. Oh yeah. And um and I also as I said, I'll be leading expeditions, one in the eastern Tennessee in April with BFRO. And I'll probably do one in the fall, too. I haven't decided exactly where I'm doing some scouting on that. So uh, be active with that. Um, and look up Wood Booger Walk on uh, yeah. Spotify or uh, iTunes, anywhere you listen to music. Check out Just Rick. And uh, give me a like if you, or follow me. I, I put different songs out usually uh, three four times a year. And uh, I perform. I, I do gigs. I'm out playing music on weekends and stuff, too. So That's I'm awesome. about doing my thing. So. But you guys, you know, you guys are doing some good things with this podcast. I've listened to some of yours. I like the variety of subject matter, and I appreciate you giving me an audience to talk about this subject. Um, I've got, you know, stacks of stuff together for a book, but I like doing some of these podcasts to talk about this because uh, 
you know, it's a best, it's the best way to communicate these days with people about the subject matter. And mm -hmm. so you're doing a good thing. You're doing a good thing, staying open-minded and getting this out there so people can, you know, listen and love, love the subject. Thank you again. And thank you for the kind words. Yeah. Thank you so much. All really right. Appreciate it. We have a little tradition we do, and I didn't get a chance to tell you about it because uh, I don't tell anybody about it. Uh, but at the end of the episode, Oops. sorry, glitch. At the end of the episode, yeah. uh, we count down from three and we just yell bye to the audience. Just kind of okay. something we do. Uh, so cool. I'll, as long as you're good with that, I'll count down from three and we'll do it. I'm good. All righty. All right. Three, two, one. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Crips of the Corn podcast. Please share with a friend you think would like us. It's the best way to help our show grow. Leave a comment, rate us, a five-star review. And remember, there is always extra content on Patreon slash com. And don't forget, stay magical. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.